All right, and we are live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Paizo Adventure Roundup panel. Uh, so we are here talking about all of the exciting new one-shot adventures for Pathfinder and Starfinder, coming soon to a friendly local game shop near you, and also available through subscription on Paizo.com. Uh, we got a lot. <laughs> we got a lot to talk about. So let's get started by introducing our panelists. Uh, Thurston, I believe you're first up. Hello, hi everyone. Uh, my name is Thurston Hillman. I am the digital developer here at Paizo. I am responsible now primarily for digital products. So looking at our digital one shots, uh, bounties, our interactive specials, those are all kind of under my purview now. Um, but well, that's, that's super cool. And uh, I have fun with that. Um, we, we kind of you know, in order for us to have adventures and have adventures work, we need to have a great community. And I just want to call out our awesome community here from our freelancers, our fans, our volunteers who are here watching us. Um, whilst we get the opportunity to make all of these cool adventures, really, we'd just be a bunch of weird people writing adventures only for ourselves. If there weren't people out there to carry those adventures to other people, enjoy them themselves, and just talk about them in general. So I kind of wanted to just give a shout out to the community. You are really what lets us do what we love and brings that joy to us throughout the year of giving telling us your experiences with our products so just a big big shout out to our community i love all of you and i can't wait to share all this exciting news that we have that is me hey everybody i'm jason tondro uh, i'm a senior developer at paizo i work on starfinder and pathfinder adventures uh, uh but i've been working on starfinder for a long time now so that's mostly what i'm going to have for you today uh we're going to talk about some modules um one shots and also uh, uh, our new adventure path. But I wanted uh, to echo kind of what Thirsty was saying too. You know, like this last week has been super stressful for everybody at, at the, at, that you've been hearing us all, uh, all, everyone that you've been seeing on the screen. And, um, and some of my colleagues have already spoken really eloquently about that. And I just want to say like these last few days have been just incredibly heartwarming and touching with so many of you have written to me and to my colleagues, to my co-workers to express your support. There's too many for me to name all of you, you know, Jess, Adam, Andrew, uh, Steve, you all know who you, and met so many, many, many more. And, and I just love the fact that we all realize that we're all allies. We're all working together here. We're all trying to make the industry a better place um, and, and make our game, our hobby, a, a, a welcoming space for everybody. So thank you. And uh, please uh, stick with us. Because uh, we are right there beside you in the trenches, uh, making making the games that we all love. Thanks. Hey, I'm James Jacobs. I'm the creative director for Pathfinder. And uh, right off the bat, pretty much everything Thirsty and Jeff has said uh, goes for me as well. It's uh, it's been uh, it's been a been a week, that's for sure. Um, I'm going to be talking mostly about the standalone adventures for Pathfinder. There's something that I'm sort of taking the uh, control of going forward. We've got a couple of, uh, one announcement I don't think anybody has said anything about yet, and another one that people have heard about that is that is finally on the way. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's it. I, I uh, just want to thank everybody out there. I love you all. And I apologize in advance for any of your characters that get into uh, <laughs> situations in certain adventures that are upcoming. So not my fault. Well, maybe it is, but. <laughs> Uh, and uh, my name is Olsen John. I'm an editor here at Paizo, and I'm going to be acting as the moderator for this little panel. Um, so, yeah, just echoing everything everyone has said before. I just wanted to thank you all for tuning in and uh, for supporting us, even though it has been quite the week. Um, so, uh, with that, we might as well get into the business. Uh, so, I think we were thinking we'd just go down the line. I think so. Thirsty, do you want to go ahead? Yeah, talk sure, sure, sure. Let's let's talk about digital offerings. We got a we got a bunch of cool stuff coming uh, coming down the pipe. So first off, uh, what I would like to start with um, coming up right now is um, Headshot the Rot, which is our next uh, standalone digital one shot for uh, for Pathfinder. It's our th third one of these that's coming out. I think we actually have a cover art piece for the, the maybe we can like swatch up there. Look at that. Awesome tech team. Yeah. 
So headshot the rot uh, by by Paizo's own Michael Sayer. It is a third level one shot where, uh, as you may have noticed from the cover, the title, everything. Uh, <laughs> oh no, zombies! Oh, also these people on the cover seem to have a variety of guns. Uh, that's because all of the uh, pre-generated characters for this digital one shot are all gunslingers. So you are going to get to enjoy your absolute um, zombie apocalypse uh, fantasy in Headshot the Rot, where you are going to be taking on the role of one of the characters fighting against the hordes of undead with some with some really really fun things going on in it uh such as like critical hit rules that well if you crit with a gun you just pop off their head and that 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 certain undead expires uh i'm really looking forward to this i i myself wasn't actually the developer on this this was developed by uh adam daigle here but we're really excited it's kind of the uh the next one coming up and we just wanted to showcase that it'll be coming up pretty soon i believe halloween folks halloween yeah almost likely we time some of these things all right so that brings us to uh to our to our next uh digital digital one shot uh, for Pathfinder, which we haven't announced, and I will be announcing here, that is going to be uh, Pathfinder one-shot number four, which is, will be coming in spring of, uh, like, well, actually, just in the new year, so early-ish 2022. Uh, this will be Mark of the Mantis by Paizo's John Compton. Uh, this is going to be the first of these digital one-shots that I've been involved with. I'm really excited for this because one of the reasons I was brought into sort of champion digital lines is that I've been someone who has a lot of experience with running digital games, being involved in the digital community. Uh, I've been in org play for quite some time, so I have a lot of experience with just how, how people tend to run their games, what, what sort of different groups are out there, and how we can cater to those groups. And one thing I'm really excited for with Mark of the Mantis as a product that we're going to do is it's it's kind of hitting a whole bunch of things that I think the the line will really, really benefit from. First of all, in this adventure, all the player characters, the pre-generated characters, are going to be uh, members of the Red Mantis Society, except for one very disgruntled dwarf who is just joining them uh, in breaking into a fortified estate to assassinate a target. Uh, and for those of you who have run little nightly one-shots, that sort of thing, you'll know that breaking into a place and killing a target has about 500 different variations of how it can go down. Many of them involve players falling over laughing at how the antics go through we're hoping to capture that with mark of the mantis but also capture the feel of the red mantis assassins who are this organization in pathfinder that we've wanted to put some spotlight on and really show how there is this this group of intimidating but also very unique and visually distinct uh, assassins out there and we're going to let the players play so I'm looking forward to that. Very, very cool thing we have coming up. Uh, and then that brings us to our next announcement, which is for, on the Starfinder side of things. That would be Starfinder one-shot number three. Um, I know, number three. We're, we're, we've got Jake here to talk about number two. We're going we're gonna to pass the ball back to him to talk about number two in just a bit. But we're going to actually announce number three here, which is uh, System Takedown by Kendra Lee Speedling. This is, uh, again, the, the first digital one-shot I'm stepping into be developer and outliner on for the Starfinder side of things. And uh, this involves a group of anti-Vescarium dissidents of a variety of different species banding together to break into a calm tower unit to get the word out of some bad stuff that's going on with a government official. Uh, so we're going to have a couple little uh, anti-government insurgents trying to get the message out. Going out there, there's going to be a skittermander that is going to have a social media following during this. There's going to be break-ins. There's going to be fan fantasy-esque magic strange creatures. And there might even be mechs. This thing is looking to be great. I just got the turnover in from Kendra. I'm super excited. And that will be coming early into the next year uh followed very quickly though we aren't talking much about it uh by by another one shot that'll be coming in the pipe which is going to tie into our big drift crisis event and jake's going to talk about that a bit more but we are very keen to also bring the digital one shots and bring them into into drift crisis so expect some more news on that front in the in the far future bad starfinder pun i apologize um with that we've also got our bounties continuing along 
Uh, one thing that we are going to to announce that we have coming up in the next little bit. I know they're all laughing at me. It just cut back so they could show all my co-hosts laughing at my terrible joke. All right. <laughs> what we have coming up are bounties. Um, we're finishing up our slew of Pathfinder first level bounties, which have been sort of those one-shot-esque adventures, those 45-minute uh quests where you take on bring your characters in and you go on a little first level quest do a little task we're, we're coming out with a couple more of those in the near future but we're actually going to be transitioning in the new year to to doing some things a bit different with bounties first of all we're really excited to 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 well remind people we've already announced it but just let people know that they're coming starfinder bounties we're going to be releasing those in in the future i know that um jenny jarzabski has been working on those on the the Starfinder Society uh, side of things. She's been getting ready the, the first set of bounties for Starfinder, so looking forward to that. And uh, the another announcement, which I don't think we've made yet, but we're going to do here, is that we are going to have more Pathfinder bounties coming in 2022, except the next batch of Pathfinder bounties we'll be seeing in the new year is going to be third-level bounties. Uh, so expect us to bump up the levels, start introducing some, uh, some higher level content for your characters. I see in the chat, a lot of you are like, but, but, oh my gosh, that's what I wanted. Well, that's what we're delivering. Uh, and that's really what we're here to do is to give the people what they want. So, uh, that really sums it up for the, the digital side of things. I have a whole bunch of other stuff I wish I could talk about. Like we're, we're already starting to plan interactives and all sorts of fun stuff, but that will sadly have to wait for another time. That kind of sums up where we're at on Digital Land. I'm going to pass it on back so that my other co-hosts can can get to talking and I can just smile and be glad that you all hopefully enjoy what I said. Yay! <laughs> Thank you so much for that, Thurston. Awesome. Uh, that's, that's a lot to look forward to. Uh, and more coming down the line, because we also have uh, Jake. You want to go ahead and talk about what's coming up for that? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so um, I've got three big products to talk about today, and thanks to everyone for coming in. So the first one of those is one that we've already talked, we've already announced a little bit. You saw the cover uh, at Eric Mona's keynote speech on Thursday, and that's the Liberation of Locus One. This is our second self-contained module for Starfinder. So it's a 64-page adventure. That's, that picks up at level four, which is the level that our first module, um, Junker's Delight, ends at. So you can just move straight from Junker's Delight to Liberation of Locus One if you'd like to do that. It's, it's, but it's very different than Junker's Delight. It's, uh, it takes the players to a remote space station uh, on the edge, uh, out, out in the vast, uh, where they're studying a bizarre, magical, scientific uh, anomaly called the Locus. Um, and the station is plagued with all kinds of hazards and dangers. There's pirates in the system. There's an Aslanti uh, uh, mining colony, like labor camp, uh, with a bunch of enslaved androids. Uh, there's all kinds of other mysteries in the system. All the planets of the Locust system have their own subplots going on, some of which the player characters can find out easily about, others of which they won't discover until they trip across them or do some investigation. In other words, it's very sandboxy. Like it starts off, you arrive at the Locust, there's some, there's immediately a disaster that gets you brought, brought right into the action, gets you introduced to the science council that runs the station. But then it's really left up to the players and the GM to kind of decide where they want to go and what they want to do. They can cultivate relationships with the various NPCs on the station. And if those of you who are old school gamers, if you're picking up a little keep on the borderlands vibe from this, that is not an accident. We pitch this as kind of keep on the borderlands in space. We want to give you like this uh, home base that you can live in and, and go out and have adventures and you can pick your own missions. But, uh, but it also has an overarching story because the, the Aslanti are not just going to be satisfied with the labor camp uh, mining, mining crystals on a remote planet for very long, right? Like this is the Aslanti Star Empire we're talking about. So they are going to make a play uh, for the station and for the system, and it's going to be up to your player characters to defend it. Chris Sims, um, who longtime Starfinder players will recognize as one of our former developers, the guy who had my job before I before I took his chair, um, I uh, I asked Sims to come in and write it, and he did a fantastic job on it. He did the gazetteer for the Locust One station. He invented a bunch of new um, creatures, 
really horrifying monsters. We've got kind of a whole horror subplot going on in this AP. So if you're looking for some of that genre, you can get it here. We also expanded on some aspects of the Islanti Star Empire. We added some of the species that are part of the, uh, the alien uh, sort of auxiliary forces that the Star Empire uses as like um, uh, sort of their foreign legion, their version of the foreign legion. Uh, so there's a lot of really interesting new ways to have expanded the setting as well as, and this is important to us going in, a lot of new and interesting and really unique treasure and items that you can only get at the Locust system, right? So if you play through this adventure and you find this cool, this, these cool items, these Locust crystals, and they can do strange, interesting things, you can't get those anywhere else in the Starfinder setting. You can only get them here. So it's, it's, it's a fantastic, it, it worked out very well. I, I love this adventure. We all worked really hard on it. The cover is beautiful. Uh, one of our partners even turned it into the cover for a kind of like Starfinder coffee called Sunrise Maiden. So that's that's how you know you're, you're, you're doing well is when um, your art gets made into a coffee brand. Um, so that, that's the first thing, Liberation of Locust One, and that's coming out soon. Um, and I encourage you, everybody to check it out. And then the second thing that I want to talk about is uh, our next Starfinder one-shot, which is the Great Grav Train Robbery. Um, so we have a cover for that. That's right, a little Star Wars swoosh, and we get the cover to the Great Grav Train Robbery. Um, and uh, I remember pitching this. We were like, Let, can we do a, can because can we, we wanted to find things that you can do in Starfinder that you can't do in, in like a traditional fantasy RPG, like, like our our cousins in arms over in Pathfinder are doing like, can, how, how, what, what can we do that's unique? And, and someone said, well, let's, let's do a heist. Let's do a, a heist aboard a fast moving train that's going hundreds of miles an hour across uh, an alien desert. And well, you know, that, that these adventures write themselves. Right. So I immediately knew who I wanted to write this. Andrew White uh, has a very firm grasp of heist stories and heist mechanics um and and he's also super funny and so i knew that we could take those two things together and and bring them together into this adventure uh so the great grav train robbery you, you has four pre-gen characters who are all part of a heist team you have the face the muscle the hacker and the thief uh, and they all use interesting aliens from the various alien archives um uh, volumes so there's a lot of like this, this particular adventure uses a lot of rules from throughout the whole Starfinder rule set. So if you're a little bit more experienced, a little bit more practiced, the NPCs are, the, the pre-generated characters are sixth level. So you have quite a bit of abilities going into the adventure. And as you can imagine with a heist on board a fast moving train, there is, uh, with, a, with a plan, you're here to get the thing, you gotta get off the thing. There is clearly no way that that could go wrong, right? <laughs> There's this this plan is flawless. Uh, well, naturally, uh, things do go wrong. They can go wrong in a lot of different ways. In fact, we actually have three different endings for this adventure. Uh, Andrew came up with three completely different ways that this heist can resolve itself, depending on how you how you and your team decide you want to do it. Do you want to try and sneak it? Do you want to social RP your way through the crisis at the end? Or you just want to go out blasting? Uh, you, you want to just climb into a 20 foot mech and shoot your way out. Cause we got rules for that too. So if you, if you like tech revolution or you, if you want to see, if you like it and you like the mech rules and tech revolution, you want to take those out for a spin, great grab train, Robbie can get you where you need to go. Um, okay. So the third thing that I want to talk about is the first drift crisis adventure path. And that is called drift crashers. Okay, so let's talk about how the drift crisis works a little bit. So on the day that the drift crisis happens, the drift crisis, Eric has summed it up already. John Compton talked about it a little bit earlier. Basically, hyperspace, the drift in our setting, the drift breaks. And, and that day, the moment when that happens, the moment that, that the drift crashes, uh, every starship in the drift is thrown out of the drift into the multiverse somewhere. And maybe you end up on a far distant world in the vast, far from home, or maybe you end up on another plane of existence in the multiverse somewhere, or maybe you're stuck in the drift and you can't get out. There's all of these people go all over the place. And, and 
sometimes the people are even removed from the starship. So their starship is still in the drift, but you're on like Akaton or something or someplace even much further away. Uh, that incident, that, that event is the drift crash, the moment when the drift itself stops working. And that's the opening scene of this adventure path. So you are, your characters are on a starship of your own. You are your own crew and you might be all kinds of things. You might be mercenaries, you might be scientists, you might be explorers, you might be an athletic football team, you know, like what a Brutaris squad, whatever. You, you guys can figure that out. You figure out what is your hook? What is, what, why are your characters together? What is your, what is your team? And then you are on your ship going into the drift and there might be pirates involved. And then the, the drift crashes and you are catapulted through the multiverse. Where do you land? It's hard to say. Yeah, the answer is hell. You land in hell <laughs> and you have to, you have to get out of hell. And this is the beginning of a three volume adventure path that has you just desperately trying to get home, uh, triggering the, the and, and your ship has been changed by the drift crash. So every time you hit the drift button, you never know where the ship is going to take you. And you're just hitting that button over and over again, trying to get back to the packed worlds or someplace that, you know, um, I have three fantastic, amazing authors who came in to write this for me. Uh, Jessica Redekop wrote the first volume. Uh, which is um, The Perfect Storm. Uh, and then uh, we got my colleague and fantastic co-worker Jenny Jardabski to come in and write the second one, uh, Nightmare Scenario. Uh, and then finally, uh, Ron Lundin, who is well known to all of you, is actually still writing the third volume, Masters of Time and Space, for me at this moment as we speak. Uh, a fantastic team. I could not have asked for better people. And I was able to really play to their strengths as we came up with the outline and worked on plot together. Jenny was in a lot of the meetings as we were brainstorming this adventure path. And, and um, I, knew, I knew that Ron, Ron has a lot of experience doing like big dungeons uh, and dungeon-based adventures. So I wanted to give him like, let's do, let's do dungeons in a way that is unique to Starfinder and bring all of Ron's experience with, with dungeons uh, into, into that setting. So I gave him the huge dungeon adventure, uh, which is going to be, it's going to blow your mind because it's so different than everything else that you would expect a dungeon to be. And then of course, Jess had the toughest job of all because she's got to, she's got to start this thing, right? I'm like, okay, please put my level one player characters in hell. <laughs> <She's> like, <"Whoa>, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> all right. So that, that posed some unique challenges and, and she just took that fastball and knocked it out of the park. So I'm deeply indebted to Jess and all of my other authors on that. The, the, there's more to say about the drift crisis, but, but I have been focused on drift crashers and, um, and that's, that's what I can talk about today. James, take it away. Yeah. Pick it up, James, for the rest of our, yeah, announcement. <laughs> hey. All right. Um, so the thing that I'm going to be working on, uh, is, going forward now that Kingmaker is sort of almost uh, off to the printer. We'll have more to say about Kingmaker in the Adventure Path Seminar tomorrow, I believe, um, are the, the one-shot adventures. Uh, these are the generally 64 pages uh, standalone adventures that we'll be doing for Pathfinder. Some of them will be longer than 64 pages. Uh, the one that I did for earlier this year, Malevolence, I think was 72 pages. Um, and my my theory with these, these one-shot adventures is that they should be major either major events in galarian or major events in your character's career so think of it as something like um this is the first adventure where you go to a uh, haunted house was kind of the idea with malevolence or with uh, the night of great death which is just out now is just recently out i believe hard to keep track of when everything is out these days um that one is the adventure where you go in and you solve the situation with Galt. Galt is our eternally in a revolution nation. And this adventure path, you get to go in as high level characters and help save that nation from these, these like cycle of just violence that has been plaguing the, uh, the, the land for so long, for, for decades. And that's really what I want to do with these adventure paths going forward is I want them to be significant stories that uh, propel the, the, the meta plot of Galarian forward, but also you know, fill in the blanks and, and uh, help people explore parts of the world they've already kind of heard about a little bit, but we've never really done much with. And um, 
that puts them, I think, uniquely in the, the place where this is the, these adventures are places that we're going to go generally where we've already kind of touched on. Uh, there's not really, I don't really want to go somewhere brand new, like off map or off planet or off plane so much in these, these one shot adventures, because there's, they're, they're long, they're 64 pages, but it's got to be really concise on what they're about. And I think that the, the Lost Omens team and uh, the, the designers and everybody else is, is doing an amazing job, like uh, expanding out into the long expanse, one of the best looking books I've seen us publish ever, uh, for example. Anyway, so um, going forward, uh, we've got uh, uh, Not a Great Death, uh, which is the, the Galt adventure where you go in and you save Galt. And going forward, I really want us to try to make sure we get two to three of these out a year so they kind of get a, a rhythm going back into the adventure line um one of the ones that we're going to be releasing uh early-ish next year mid next year is uh, dead god's hand by eric mona that's one that we've been talking about for a while it's a double-sized hardcover standalone adventure and uh, the big deal with this one is it's basically your characters are going to learn a lot about eridan about uh the history of absalom and uh starting out like in this really kind of underground region i'm i'm trying not to spoil too much I, eric has actually run myself and other people many other people through the the uh the adventure uh this adventure it's a lot of fun it's it's, it's interesting because even from my standpoint a lot of the stuff that eric had in his head about Aridin and uh, the early history of absalom and all of that is, has remained in his head and finding those things out through the course of playing this adventure is a lot of fun so that one will be coming up pretty soon. Uh, it'll tie in nicely with uh, the big Absalom book that is, is coming out, uh, I think, very, very soon, early next year. I, again, I've been in Kingmaker Lance long. I've kind of lost sight of when things are coming out. But anyway, so we got uh, Dead God's Hand coming up pretty soon. But before Dead God's Hand, the next adventure in this line after um, um, uh, Night of Great Death is going to be coming out early next year. And uh, that one is called Shadows at Sundown. It's written by Lennon Winkler. And um, this adventure is sort of, um, I've, I've, I originally pitched it as sort of a sequel to Curse of the Crimson Throne, uh, sort of a sequel to a lot of the other adventures we've set in Corvosa. Uh, Corvosa is one of the, one of the major cities in, in Borussia. It's, it's been around from the very start. And I really wanted to, to touch on, we've been going so many amazing new places. I want to go back someplace where we spent a lot of time with and see how things have changed. So the Corvosa that uh, you will see in Shadows at Sundown is the modern Corvosa. I mean, 10 years ago is when Queen Iliosa did her whole thing with Curse of the Crimson Throne. We've had other adventures, House of Hook Street, uh, Academy of Secrets, and uh, um, Room Plague, and a bunch of other adventures have taken place in Corvosa since then. And the fallout of those adventures really is what starts Shadows at Sundown out when um, well, I'll say a lot of people have been saying there's the ghost of Queen Iliosa has been spotted in the streets and people are blaming on one hand, like, oh, it's it's the rune lord. Sorshin is used to live underneath or used to be imprisoned underneath Corvosa and she's gone now, but maybe she's not. Uh, other people are saying the great maidens are back and they're trying to bring back Queen Iliosa. Other people are like pointing fingers at the academy. There's all of this sort of turmoil. So the start of the adventure, your characters are kind of brought in to investigate what is the truth behind these sightings of uh, Queen Iliosa's ghost appearing uh, in various points across the city. And uh, it, it goes from this investigation into some pretty, pretty scary places. Um, your character is going to start at 11th level, and uh, there's, there's a lot of potential in this one. If, if you jump the gun and try to go skip to the end of the adventure, it's going to be, it's going to be bad. You got to plan ahead for this one. So that's <laughs> down. Um, is going to also introduce some new new creatures that I've te that we've teased uh, here and there. I don't want to say much more about it. There's sort of a it'll make sense once you play the adventure wise called Shadows at Sundown, but um, uh, I don't want to say too much more about it. So yeah, that's that's basically what we've got uh, planned for the next I'd say six to eight months for the standalone adventure path. I'll be brainstorming and building up some new ones, trying to get a lot of uh, great. One of the things I really want to do with this line too. Is showcase new authors who have never had a chance to write adventures for for uh, Pathfinder, and um, really work with them to get these these new voices into Galarian in places that people have already visited and explored. Because that I think is a great way to look at these places with a fresh set of eyes. So 
looking forward to that, and uh, we'll probably have more to say about it uh, next year. Keep an eye out. Keep an ear out. Keep, keep, that's all I got. <laughs> well, thank you. And yeah, um, so much exciting things happen. I don't even know where to start. Uh, it's been, uh, thank you all very much for just updating us. Um, <laughs> I, I guess we should open up to questions now. Is that how this, uh, I apologize. This is my first time moderating anything. and I'm not entirely sure what I'm doing. <laughs> oh yeah, question time, question time. Questions are great. Yeah. Uh, so let's see, opening up to questions. Um, well, I've got one in the Discord that says, uh, so what's after Night of Grey Death and Dead God's Hand? I'm secretly hoping for some more distant content. Is that stuff in the works? Um, there's also curiosity about whether there's eventually going to be high-level standalone Starfinder adventures in the works. Okay, I can get to that after James. Um, yeah, for real quick, for uh, uh, Shadows at Sundown is what's after Night of Grey Death and before Dead God's Hand. So we, I'm not ready to announce what's after Dead God's Hand, which will probably, I'm guessing, out sometime after next year's Gen Con or something like that. That's, that's way down the line. I haven't, I've got a bunch of ideas for what's going on, uh, possible adventure storylines. Um, but again, I don't think that the standalone adventures is the best place to debut brand new locations like other continents or other planets. It's it's really difficult to get all of the information that you need to contextualize those locations and still have an adventure that's that's going to fill a 64 page adventure. It's it's hard enough to, to squeeze in all that content just for the adventure itself. So um, we're going to be focusing mostly on uh, exploring those other realms and such like that in like the adventure path line. Uh, we've never really gone to Geb, for example, and the Blood Lords Adventure Path is going to spend uh, an entire half a year down there, for example. Um, so not so much in the um, uh, going new places, but hopefully going places people are familiar with and looking at it with a, a new a new venue or, a new, or resolving long-term storylines. Yeah, right on. As far as a high level Starfinder adventure goes, I can't talk about anything specific, but what I can say is, is we agree with you. Like, like we, we wanna see high level modules. You know, the, the game goes all the way up to level 20 and we wanna provide support for the entire game, not just the low levels of it. Um, there are challenges with that and, and we're, we're working on that, but, uh, but Liberation of Locust One picks up at the level that Junkers Delight leaves off at, which I, which is fourth. I believe Locust One goes to seventh. Um, so that that would create that creates an opening for us to create another third module that might pick up at that level. So you can just take your character straight from Liberation of Locust One into whatever the next module is. And you know, I personally would love to keep doing that. Um, I can't I can't talk about anything specific, but I would uh, I would keep an eye on keep watch this space. Watch this space. And here's the most I've been seeing popping up a couple of times in the chat. Um, is the train heist set on Akaton? Right? Good question. No, it is not. No, no, it is not. It is actually in, um, uh, it, it's on one of the worlds. Now I have to remember where. Uh, it's It's not located on Akaton because you wanted to set it uh, far away. It's on, oh no, I can't believe I've forgotten what, what planet it's on. Uh, you feel right your mouth, you're talking about them. Of course, where else would it be? The uh, but but the, you can tell like we're so compartmentalized here. Like I actually finished developing Great Grab Chain Robbery, we moved it on, and now I just memory flush, right? Like uh, so that I can make room for the new project. James knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but no, it is not on Akaton. It's on a remote world that we could that that's run by the Ixo uh, Crime Syndicate, and that gave us some great bad guys, right? So you're you're kind of robbing the the criminals. Uh, in this one, that allowed us to set up some heroes that are perhaps a little bit Robin Hoody, right? A little bit more in that kind of mode of, of um, roguish, roguish criminals that, you know, they're not here to kill people. They're not to like wanton violence. They're here to get the thing and get out, and uh, and stick it to the man while they're at it. So not an Akaton adventure, but but um, but it is on like a desert, rocky, mountainous planet, which gave us like bridges and tunnels and all kinds of great terrain that the train can really play into. 
<laughs> Gotta love the Robin Hood heroes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Admittedly, I, I don't entirely know what this one means, but the question pops up, uh, any chance to ever return to Thessalian? I'm not sure who that's for. Um, wh what Robin. is Thessalian? Suscalon? Suscalon? Is that it? Yeah. That Thank would be Suscalon no from the Attack of the Swarm AP. Um, ah. Uh, there would be a lot of interesting stories that we could tell. On that. Suscalon is the, the world that the Swarm invade in, in our Adventure Path Attack of the Swarm. We spend six volumes in the Suscalon system. Um, we kind of created Suscalon so that we could make it kind of compartmentalized. We could, we could talk about the Swarm attacking it. And we could tell a whole story without it impacting the past worlds and the larger Starfinder setting. Um, this is our philosophy for a long time. But I think that with Drift Crisis, you're going to start to see more stories that do affect the entire Starfinder setting. So we have some options of maybe doing that. Um, I don't think we have any specific plans for Suscalon, but it would be a great example of, of a setting that you could go back to in the Drift Crisis, for example, and do your own thing with some of the tools that that book's gonna give you. Um, yeah. That makes sense. Uh, still looking for a few more, we've still got a little more time for questions. Um, there's uh, some, another one from Discord. Um, and for upcoming Pathfinder adventure, any of extra planar who already knows itself's true name in that one? I'm, I assume it's talking about the individual extra planar monsters or something. Um, I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> we certainly have a lot of extra. I mean, extra planar creatures are, are where a lot of the, the really you know exciting, famous, high level threats uh, come from. You know, whether it's you know demon lords, arch devils, and stuff like that, or or just you know really powerful strange other things like Uroboroses or, uh, I don't know, Hundens or all these other just weird creatures. Um, we're going to continue to certainly do that. The The concept of a true name for a, a creature is, I believe, a, a relatively, it's not new. I mean, it's, it's something that games have touched on in, in like mythology has been about for forever, as long as mythology has been mythologizing. Um, there's there's no plans to do anything of that nort of that of that note nort of that note anytime soon. Although I will say there is maybe something like that and possibly going on in shadows at sundown. I don't want to give away to people who know a lot about Corvosa's history. Uh, we'll see a lot of familiar uh, proper nouns in shadows at sundown. I guess is what I'm getting at. Nice. I'm trying not to spoil too much because. Uh, it's, it really is supposed to be a kind of a surprise when you get to it. And it's uh, not the type of thing where it's like, it's the type of thing where your character is going to be able to make a significant change to the canon of the setting going forward, basically. Or the canon, for certainly of Corvosa, at least. Similar to touching on uh, previous locations, uh, somebody's asking if there's any chance to go back to the now-closed world wound. <laughs> um. Seeing as how uh, Owlcat's game, Wrath of the Righteous, just came out and is getting great reviews and is, is something that I kind of wish I was playing right now. Um, <laughs> the, the increased excitement for the World Wound content um, is certainly on my mind. It's on a lot of people's mind here. On top of that, the idea that it's a new realm now. It's no longer the place for the demons rule. It's now a post-apocalyptic region that is reestablishing its, its lost identity in Sarkoris, if that is a, a great example of a, of an area that I think could uh, support all sorts of standalone adventures. It's not somewhere completely off the map. It's a place we've got a lot of lore that's already kind of built up to it. And uh, so we don't have to establish to the reader what Sarkoris is. People already who've been following along, people already know what that is. And if you're a new newcomer to the game and you start reading, say, uh, an adventure set in Sarkoris, there will be books that we've published that you can go back to to learn more about it without us having to fill too much of that adventure's real estate with like establishing information about the, the history of the region and all that. Um, yeah, there's a, I mean, if you look at any of the adventure paths we've done, any one of those could technically spawn a, a sort of a pseudo sequel type thing. Uh, but definitely uh, something set in the world wound 
or in Sarkoris, exploring what the place is like now that the old one has been defeated and closed uh, would be a really compelling uh, adventure. Uh, one thing that, uh, to dovetail sort of what Jake was just talking about, one thing that I want to do also with um, the, the adventure path, the standalone adventures, is to try to get high-level ones out more frequently. I, I think that the design team did an amazing job uh, with second edition, making it playable from first to 20th level. And um, kind of they, they sort of the idea of like putting our money where our mouth is by saying, yeah. we've made high-level play playable, now we're going to produce adventures that you can play at high level. So like not a great death, just 16th level going up to 18th level. Um, we'll still do lower level adventures kind of all over the place. But I mean, looking back at the, the ancient old days of Dungeon Magazine, where we were doing one low level, one mid level, one high level in every volume, every issue of Dungeon, I kind of want to try to aim for that with the adventure paths, uh, with the standalone adventures. Every year I have one low, one mid, and one high every year. Nice. Now here's one tying into something we were talking about before. A uh, question of any plans for a deal with strange space phenomena, Star Trek-like adventure in Starfinder? I believe Locus One has some elements of that, right? Because the Locus so, itself is a pretty unusual thing. This idea of like a, an exploration or kind of Starfleet-focused uh, adventure path is something we've been talking about for a long time. Um, I think Keeley went around and asked everybody, "What what would you like to do?" And I think that was my pick. Uh, uh, there's Horizons of the Vast has some has a lot of exploration in it. The the current Starfinder Adventure Path, Drift Crisis, the Drift Crashers AP will also have some of this. Um, but I guess if I wanted to pick a, 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 a what the feel of Drift Crashers is like, it's less like Star Trek and more like a kind of really good version of Lost in Space. Uh, I say that because most Lost in Space really sucks. And I forgive me for anybody who is a big Lost in Space fan out there. Um, but, but the idea of Lost in Space is wonderful. Like you've got this group of people that don't necessarily always like each other, but they have to stick together. And they're traveling to constantly a new destination every time and encountering new mysteries and new inhabitants and figuring out, well, like, okay, how can, how can we use this place to help us get where we need to go? I guess if it's like any Star Trek, it's like Voyager, right? Where the, the, the ship is on this long journey trying to get home and they're passing through new strange places and they encounter new alliances and new enemies and they have to figure out some way of, of navigating all of that and making new friends and avoiding their old enemies. It also has some interesting challenges in common with Voyager. So, for example, you know, there's no home base for the player characters. One of the things that we're used to in adventure past is having like a a place where there's recurring characters whether that's absalom station or someplace like locus one where where you can always go and you can make friends and you can always retreat to like heal your wounds and build your gear and do all that kind of stuff that adventurers want to do between adventures but when you're on a starship that's going to a new destination every you know every time you play um you have to bring all those characters with you uh, you have to you, you your supporting cast has to be on the ship or else or else you constantly leave them behind and so there there's some there's some interesting parallels and challenges in terms of how the structure of that story is written but if you're if you're looking for a story where we're encountering strange new worlds all the time and new situations and we have to figure out what's going on and and how maybe some some uh, encountering ancient civilizations or or um uh, fantastic interstellar phenomenon that we're trying to figure out how to navigate and deal with. Yeah, you're going to get plenty of that in, in Drift Crashers. Yeah. Very cool. Let's see. Uh, what's, what's the release of mechs in Tech Revolution? Where do you think we might see the first mechs? An adventure path module or Starfinder Society scenario? Mine, mine, mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I I adore mechs. Um, once Tech Revolution kind of showed up in our uh, our hidden employee folders that we have, where we get all the goodies before everyone else, I was very quick to insert mechs into my home campaign because I don't know. I look look at my desk. I can reach over and find a BattleTech book. Um, I, I like robots. Um, so what I decided was I was going to test it out, and I 
use the rules and i absolutely adored them and so one of the things we did when we were looking at starfinder one shots was hey is there a way to uh to get mechs into a book and uh into a one shot i should say and it was really funny because something that will often happen if, if you are anyone who has organized play experience whether you are a gm out there or you are someone who writes for them uh you will know that when you use the words uh adventure and subsystem there can be this instinctive hiss pullback reaction from a lot of people um and obviously with one shots we don't want to introduce something that's meant to be a fun like everyone sits down and plays this game uh, but also but really what this means is you're going to be learning a subsystem very pleasantly surprised when i played mechs um to find out that uh, basically if you know how to play starfinder as a core game like you know how the action economy works you know how to roll an attack roll you know how to take damage and mark it down you basically know how mechs work um and so with uh with starfinder one shot uh number three uh system takedown i i maybe alluded that there might be some some mech based stuff in there the the pcs uh might might have to encounter some kind of mechanized opponent um but in the future i personally believe there's a lot of uh, a lot of room for us to even look at doing an adventure where all of the player characters are in mechs one of the exciting things with again my my home campaign was i had a group with one i guess experience she works for us jenny i guess she knows starfinder rules or something uh, and to you know like decently knowledgeable people but like not like entirely into our into our game system um i was able to teach them mechs and we were going within 15 minutes of just like here's the primer here's all the things you need to go and we're into it it's really fun i'm really looking forward to bringing it into into these one shots i think these one shots and honestly society scenarios from my my past of being in society i think there'll be a great opportunity to explore mechs um but that being said i'm sure i'm sure jake and the the fellows on the the, the starfinder team are also quite interested in maybe sneaking them into modules or adventures yeah i think there's a bright future for mechs yeah, I'll just note that, like I said, that there's three endings to the Great Graph Train robbery, and one of them involves Black-Eyed Susan, a 20-foot-tall mech that the players all crawl into. So if you want to do... Now, if you if you decide that you don't like mechs, if you're the GM, it's a subsystem, you don't want to learn it, well, you've got two other endings you can use instead, right? That's the beauty of the three-ending model. So, But if you want to try out those rules, um, Andrew did a, he was like, I remember when Andrew wrote to me and he's like, okay, my adventure comes out after tech revolution. Can I put a mech in it? And I'm like, yes, that's a yes. <laughs> so, so that's what we got. Yeah. Always love it when people get excited to put something new in their adventures. <laughs> it's like, yes, new toys. <laughs> uh, let's see. Is there anything, I think this one might be kind of talking around some spoilers, but let's see if we can answer it. Uh, is there anything that inspired putting a certain big creature at the end of Night of the Great Death? Yes. That, might be um, <laughs> that is sort of a spoiler. Eric kind of spoiled it anyway by showing that cool piece of art. Um, that creature uh, is something that I pushed to put into Bestiary 6 for First Edition Pathfinder based uh, very, 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 very vaguely on an Edgar Allan Poe um, poem. Um, and that, from the first point I, I put it into uh, Best Gary 6, that had always been my plan to use that creature as part of what's going on in Galt. I, I see Galt, a lot of people look at it as like the, the, the reign of terror, or just a, this sort of, um, for me, that whole element of like this, this aristocracy that is just completely grinding through constant revolutions and all that, there's a really sort of a gothic horrible feeling to that and um there's a lot of edgar Allan poe going on in night of great death i guess is what i'm getting at um so yeah that was that was planned from the start that's cool yeah, yeah. it was that i mean actually it was originally going to be one of the final adventures that we published for first edition there was mm -hmm. uh, i had in my head this idea that um uh that would be sort of one of several ways that we tie up first edition you know like solving these ending the rune lord stories with with uh, the rune lord's tales uh, uh getting uh taldor all sorted out um and getting galt into a situation where in second edition we could go forward with something new for that region but didn't play out um turns out 
when uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on, like launching new editions and stuff like that. Um, the adventure, the standalone adventure line has traditionally been the, the pressure value that we pull to not do as much in that line so that we have the capacity for everybody else to work on everything else. So just didn't have the opportunity. So when uh, I, I came back after uh, Kingmaker and was starting to, to gear up to do standalone adventures, there's that. There's a lot of those adventures that are sort of like I had plans to, never got around to it, and uh, they're going to be popping in. And, and you'll be able to look back through the years and see sort of like the little railroad tracks that we were setting to get to where we're going, I guess. Nice. That'll be cool looking back. Uh, we are coming up towards the end of our time, I think. Or do we still have? Or are we at the top? Of the Are we going for the top of the hour or ten minutes? No, I think uh, one more. If there's one more question, uh, maybe we can answer this. Somebody jump in. Oh, after and after this, of course, we'll be. Uh, I, I I don't know if every all of us are going to be lurking in the Discord to answer questions or, um, but yep. if we've got other questions. We'll be we'll be there to, to answer them through the power of, of written word. Yes. Yeah, we're people here pretty good at doing. But yeah, if there's any other questions or anything. I have a question for Thirsty real quick. Okay. What's your raccoon's name? Oh, uh, what are you what are you talking about? The space raccoons? Yeah, no, no, no. Space, racco down space down raccoons down. aren't real. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. Space raccoons aren't real. If you saw one when Jenny was streaming, that wasn't real either. I don't know what what's wrong with you people thinking these exist. Ah, uh, okay. So the, the the things in my cupboards at home aren't real either. Then for for uh, for, for those wondering what weird reference that is in a Starfinder campaign I played with Jenny, uh, we had space raccoons, but it was more of like a those don't actually exist. So of course, as the GM, I made them exist and randomly steal stuff and do supernatural things to them. So as part of the campaign, we all got cute little stuffed raccoons. So. <laughs> gaming gaming stories, campaign trophies. I love it. And I love role-playing games. It's great. Uh, so thank you. We're right at the end of our time. So thank you all so much for participating. And thank everybody at home for watching, uh, for joining us for this panel. Um, we hope you had a lot of informative time. Uh, remember, all these adventures are available at your friendly local game shop and online at paizo.com. So that's where you can find these when you go looking for them. Um, thank you all for your time and attention. And have a wonderful day. Peace. Love you all. Everybody. Solidarity. You're the best.